Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to be talking tonight about striving together in the home. Every month, if the Lord tarries is coming, I plan on teaching another aspect of how we can strive together. If the Lord doesn't tarry is coming, uh, Brother Colton can teach those Sunday nights uh, after he comes back. And uh, we're going to be looking at tonight, though, striving together in the home. And of course, our theme for the year is striving together for the faith of the gospel. And we find our text this evening in Ephesians. By the way, a passage that our government would say was uh, taboo, a passage that would be rejected as an outdated fairy tale, sadly, by our culture and our world today, but a passage that is the inspired Word of God. And it is just as true today as it was the day he gave it to Paul to pen to the church at Ephesus. Just as true today as it was when it was settled before the foundation of the world in heaven. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 31, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife. And they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular... So love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Verse 1 of chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Let's pray together, ask the Lord to help us. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity we have to gather. Lord, I thank you for these many praise reports and blessings. Lord, I especially thank you for those who have trusted Christ in the last few days. Lord, how wonderful. Lord, I wish I could see into heaven. I wish I could see the, the joy in the presence of the angels. Lord, I wish I could witness the celebration each time somebody trusts you. Lord, I look forward to that day when we get to be together with you there. How wonderful and glorious as we sang about it just a bit ago. Lord, I pray tonight you'd help us. Lord, I'm worried. Lord, I'm not worried that you're going to fail, but Lord, I'm worried when I see the direction of our nation. I worry for families. Lord, as I see the pull away from that which is right and that which is holy. I'm concerned, Lord, for our culture. Lord, I pray tonight for our church here and the families that make up this local church. Lord, as we examine what the Bible says about families, Lord, I pray that we would not throw it aside as antiquated fable. Lord, may we not reject it, but God, may we live by it. Lord, help us as we talk about and learn about and grow together in this area of striving together in the home. Lord, I pray that you would do a work. Lord, I thank you for the families here tonight. I think of our young children up in the Patch Club. Lord, I thank you that we have an opportunity to minister to them. 
Lord, it wasn't many years ago, Lord, that I was in a class like that. Lord, I thank you for the teachers that invested in my life. Lord, I pray for those young people. God, I pray you'd use them. I pray you'd raise up some young men and some young women that would serve you with their lives. Lord, I pray for these families gathered here tonight. I pray that you would bless. Lord, I pray for moms and dads here. Lord, that need your help. I pray for husbands and wives that need your touch and your help as they seek to have the relationship you want them to have. Lord, help us this evening. Lord, help us just to be surrendered to your will. Lord, may you be glorified tonight. God, help me. In your precious name we pray. Amen. We see here in the book of Ephesians an instruction book a little bit for the home. As I mentioned, we're going to be focusing on striving together for the faith of the gospel. We talked this morning about striving in ministry as a church family. But we're narrowing our focus a little bit. And we're narrowing that focus down to the home. By the way, before God instituted and established a local church, it was God, Jehovah God, who established the home. It was God who was the grand architect of the home. It was God who created man and woman and designed that they too should become one in the union of marriage. And by the way, God's definition of marriage has not changed. And it will never change. It was God who instituted leadership and direction and, and, and mutual submission and all the things we see in Scripture when it comes to the home. And as we focus on each family tonight, when we consider striving together for the faith of the gospel, I want all of us to realize that as we, as we talked about this morning, strive together in ministry, that we are going to be very ineffective, very ineffective in doing so if we struggle in striving together in our families. The fact is our church will be just as strong as the weakest family in our church. Whether we like that or not, whether we agree with that or not, it's the reality of the cohesiveness that we share, a bond in Christ. You know, as we think of striving together, I mentioned the, the bicycle that at some point Brother Bonnie and I are going to have to ride. It's going to happen sometime, Brother Bonnie, as soon as I can get an EMT to show up and be here. But we think of people working together. How many of you ever uh, have done a tug of war before? Anybody ever been involved in tug of war? When I was a kid, some of you are going to really struggle to believe this, but trust me, I was a really big kid. I mean, I was a really big kid. Now, when I was growing up, I couldn't get clothes, the regular clothes store, Brother Eric. I had to go to the Husky department. I don't know if they had that in Canada or not, but I was too big to wear regular kids' clothes. I was a big kid. And my mom tells a story. I don't really remember it, but we were down in Florida, it was in Florida when I trusted Christ. No, and, and I'm sorry, my parents trusted Christ as their Savior down in Florida. And we moved from Florida to Wyoming. It was there in Wyoming that I got saved. And then we ended up back in Florida again, I believe. I'm trying to, yeah, back in Florida. And it was when we were back in Florida, we were living uh, in another place in Yulee, Florida. 
and I went to a very big school, elementary school. I was in grade one, and in grade one, it was a very large school, and they had this field day competition, and I had some, some very uh, fond memories and some very difficult memories of that school. My most difficult memory was realizing my best friend was a girl. That was really hard. There was, a, there was a kid named Jody in my class, and Jody wore bib overalls every day, jo- bobbed hair. Jody was my best friend, I mean, my best buddy in all the world. And about three weeks into school, we were best friends. And one day we lined up to go to the washroom, and I watched as Jody got in line to go to the girls' bathroom. I didn't realize Jody was a girl. That was a tough day for me. It was a traumatic day. But... We had a field day, and in that event day, all the different games and things we did, my mom remembers, I don't remember, I remember it, but I don't remember this. We had a tug of war, and and it was the kids of the same age competing, and they put me on the anchor position, the end of the rope. I was like twice as big as every kid in my class, and as soon as, you know, there's a team over here and a team here. And as soon as the referee or whatever raised their hand or whatever, I just started walking backwards, drug everybody all the way across the line. Now, I didn't do it by myself. My mom says it looked like it was just me. But the fact is, there were several other kids pulling the same direction I was pulling. I may have been the strongest kid. For sure, I was the biggest kid. But I was not the only one pulling. We think of that striving and pulling together. And I want us tonight as we think about our families. I'm afraid so often we get on other ends of the rope. So often we pull different directions. And tonight I want to share just some thoughts with you about how we can strive together in the home. If I ask you to think about your home. By the way, your home could be many different things. We have some of you here that uh, you, you have empty nest, grown children, but the Hubert's living his best life, uh, kick the kids out of the house, and they're enjoying life. Uh, some of you are there. Some of you have uh, newborn babies. Uh, some of you have babies on the way, uh, but the Cosmies getting ready to welcome a new baby in the world. Uh, some of you have teenagers. Hallelujah. How many of you are surviving teenage years? Can I tell you what Mark Twain said to do with teenagers? Mark Twain had some great advice about parents of teenagers. Mark Twain, uh, Samuel Clemens, uh, who wrote Huckleberry Finn and Mark Twain and all of those uh, different books, said that when a, a child turns, I think it was 13 years old, I think that was it. Some of you may remember the quote better than me. He said, put them in a box with a hole in it. And then he said when they turn, I think it was 18, plug the hole. Now, I hope you don't do that. But we all have different family makeups. You know, some of you, uh, it's just you. Some of you, it's a husband and wife. Some of you, as I mentioned, some of you are becoming grandparents. I'm not because, you know, Rebecca and Josh don't love me that much. But, you know, uh, other, other of you, you have children and you know, that love you. But we're all at a different place in our family makeup. But as you think of your family, not, not some other family, when you think of your family, do you envision 
your family, every member of your family on the same side of that rope pulling together? Or do you envision, as many of us have to, all of us pulling on different ropes? That's the average household in Canada. That's the average home, even Christian home. We're all going so many different directions, so many different focuses, so many, we're so busy. We're so full of all of these different things in school and extracurricular activities and church and, uh, and, and all of friends and all of that. But as we think about how, how as believers, how we can as families strive together, I want to share just a couple of thoughts with you. I want you to look in our text in chapter 5 of Ephesians, I want you to go backwards to, to verse 18. A couple of verses we haven't read yet. The Bible says, And be not drunk with wine, whereas in his excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things. Unto God and the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Number one, if we are going to strive together as families together in your home, we're going to have to seek his power. Number one, you're going to have to seek his power. Why? Because you can't do it. Dad, you can't do it. Mom, you can't do it. Teenagers, you can't do it in your power, but you can do it in his power. I got a message from Colton. Was that Tuesday, Tuesday morning? I was in my office. I got a message. My phone vibrated. I looked. Pastor, I'm stuck in my alley. And I thought, oh, I'm going to have to. And I, had, I picked it up, and I'm going to have to go and rescue him. And then I saw the very next message. My neighbor's helping me. And I went, praise the Lord. Thank you for a neighbor. And Colton was praising the Lord more than I was. As the neighbor pulled a truck out. And by the way, some, one of his lovely neighbors decided to push all, two, two of your neighbors decided to push all their snow from their driveways into the alley. So there was a foot of snow in the alley. Don't do that, okay? But anyway, he, uh, somebody came and hooked a truck and pulled a, pulled, hooked a line to his car and pulled him out. Yanked him out. He couldn't get out on his own power. He had to have somebody come along and give him that pull. Christian, Christian mom and dad, Christian teenager, young people, husband, wife, you need God's help. I need God's help. If I'm going to strive together with my family, I need the help of a holy God. The Bible talks about it here in the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Notice the, the verse in verse 18. Be filled with the Spirit. The 19 verses that follow that command. Immediately following being filled with the Spirit, those 19 verses are basically a complete instruction manual for the family. They're a how-to for the home. But notice God doesn't give us the how-to until he gives us the power to do. We need, we must seek God's power. 
We have to learn to trust the Lord. Now, how do I do that? How do I get God's power to strive together for the faith of the gospel in my home? That's, how, do you, how do you lead your, your wife? How do you lead your children? Moms, how, how, do, you, how do you fulfill your role in the home? Uh, young people, how do you fulfill your role in the home? How, how do we get God's power? By having a sanctified life, number one. Having a sanctified life. Realizing that you are to be set apart for God's purpose. When our lives are filled up with God's spirit, they will, by definition, be emptied of sin. I was making lattes this afternoon. I had several teenage girls in my kitchen. And uh, so if you see some of the girls shaking, it's because they're still coming off the caffeine high. And as I was making lattes after lunch today, Rebecca asked me to make her, her steam her some milk and for a latte. And I had just done some uh, egg eggnog, some kind of, anyway, there was sugar in it, and Rebecca doesn't do sugar. And so I went to pour some milk in the pitcher that I had just frothed and steamed the eggnog in, and Rebecca said, Dad, would you rinse it out first? (sighs) She didn't want that little residue of sugar. She wanted it emptied out before she had the milk put in. Christian? God wants to empty you and empty me out of all that he doesn't want, of all that dishonors him. As we allow him to sanctify us to himself, 1 Corinthians 16, 6 says, or 6.19, What know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price, Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Parents, can I pick on you just for a minute? You have no idea the influence that your life being set apart for God has on your children. I remember like it was yesterday being a 12-year-old boy and my dad saying to my mom and myself and my sister, I remember him saying after we listened to a sermon about be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. I remember my dad saying to our family privately in our living room, confessing that he had been hearing and not doing in one area of his life. and There was something that he was saying, I'm not going to do this anymore. He separated himself from a sin that most of the world looks at and goes, oh, it's not a big deal. But it was a big deal to him. That had an impact on my life. My dad had used tobacco, went to church every Sunday, faithful, served. And he said, you know what, I've got to get rid of that. That was 35 years ago. 
In 35 years, my father's never touched tobacco again. Can I tell you, as a teenager, when that can of tobacco got passed around when I was a teenager, and it ended up on my lap, I remember looking at it and saying, no, I'm not going to do that. Why? Because of my dad. You have no idea the impact your separation to Christ has on your children. You also, so often parents, don't realize the effect of your life of not caring about living for Christ. The snowball effect that has on our young people and our culture. And that's where we are right now in 2023. We need to consider that sanctified life and the influence of that sanctified life. God intended for his people to serve him. We're not going to take time for sake of time tonight. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, it speaks about God's purpose and plans for his people in the promised land. There's a quote that was made by someone unknown, but a wonderful quote I want to share with you. The quote is, train up your children in the way you should go. Now, that, that's not a quote from someone else. That's from the Word of God. But along with that is a quote, train up your child in the way you should go. And an unknown author said, and walk there yourself once in a while too. How vital that is. How vital that is. So we'll have a sanctified life if we seek for his power. Number two, we'll have a singing heart. A singing heart. I'm not talking about a singing voice. Some of us will never have a singing voice. Uh, but we can have a singing heart. Amen? Amen? Verse 19, speaking to yourselves in songs and hymns and spiritual songs. Do you have a song in your heart? Philippians tells us, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Rejoice. There's a fellow who has some kids that go to school with Lizzie. He went to Bible college with me. I remember him coming into work one day, and he was singing. Brother Eric, he was singing. Miss Lois, I don't know the song. You probably know it. If I didn't have a dime, would she love me the same? Do you ever heard that song before? I don't know. You figured you probably knew it. Uh, you're so worldly. But he was singing that song, and he's not a good singer. But he was singing, and he was walking around on cloud nine, and I said, man, what's going on, man? She loved me, bro. She loves me. I shouldn't tell this, because, uh, but I'll tell it anyway. It was Pastor Wilkerson's sister. She, was a, she worked on my bus route. She was, I was really close with her, with Mary. And he was in love with her, and she had agreed to go out with him. And he said, she loves me, bro. A few days later, maybe a week later, he came into work, head down. He wasn't singing. He wasn't, he wasn't even smiling. He was barely breathing. And I said, hey, man, what's going on? She don't love me, bro. He had a song in his heart for a little while. Christian, we ought to have a song in her heart. A song in her heart. Rejoice in the Lord always. We are to be helpers of joy. And I don't have time to get into that, but we, we'll have a singing heart. Number three, we'll have a satisfied spirit. Look at verse 20. Giving 
thanks always. That's whenever there's more bills than there is income. Uh, That's when the car breaks down. That's when you're sick. By the way, before I forget, be praying for Jim Price. He's been sick for a few weeks. Ask us to be praying for him. I've been praying, not doing well. Giving thanks always for all things. A satisfied spirit. Lord, thank you. Do we have satisfied spirit? If we're going to strive together in our homes, we have to have his power. To have his power, we need to have a satisfied spirit. A thankful spirit. Colossians 3, I read this morning, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. When we learn to love the things God wants to give us, how happy and how wonderful are we. My dad had a cat named Fish. I have a weird family. I had a dog, I had an uncle who had a dog named Cat, but my, and a cat named Dog. Hand on the Bible. My, my dad had a cat named Fish. He named it Fish because the kids that gave it to him, they, he taught them in school, the last names was Fisher, but he named it Fish. And Fish was a psychotic cat. Uh, he was demon possessed. You've read the story about Legion, went in the herd of swine, the swine went off in the sea. When the swine died, that spirit roamed the waters and eventually went inside of that cat. It was demonic, that cat. You ask my kids, they'll tell you. It was, my wife for sure will believe he was demonic and evil and possessed of the devil himself. That cat loved my dad. And his favorite thing in all the world was when my dad would butcher a deer. My dad would be butchering the deer. He'd be setting the table butchering. And that cat would sit in the floor beside of him like a dog. His name was Fish, but it acted like a dog. And it would sit there and wait. My dad would cut scrap pieces off he didn't want, and he'd toss them down to that cat. That cat would eat until it would look like a giant balloon with legs stuck out like this. He was so happy. Now, my dad didn't want those bits that he threw to the cat. He, he didn't want those. They weren't good for him, but that cat was sure happy. That cat loved it. That cat was very thankful because it was getting exactly what it wanted. We need to learn to want what God gives us. We need to learn to be content as we think about having a satisfied spirit. Got so much I'd like to give you tonight, but I want to rush through. I don't want to keep you too long this evening. So often we get discontented, though. Did you know there's a lot of marriages that break? I'm just not satisfied anymore. My wife's just not meeting my needs anymore. My husband just, I don't know, I don't like him anymore. His feet stink. He's dirty. He's messy. Doesn't clean up after himself. Left the toilet lid up. I'm going to divorce him. Now, we joke and laugh, but can I tell you that There's a lot of families breaking up for stupider stuff than that. Eh. We get bored, dissatisfied. We need to have a spirit that is satisfied with what God gives us. By the way, God made Eve and God brought Eve to Adam and gave her unto him. She was a gift from God. 
Husbands, wives, your spouse is a gift from God. God doesn't make junk. I got a gift from when the family's here. They bought me a shirt. Brother Bonnie years ago, him and his dad bought me a barong in the Philippines. He came back. He said, Brother, he said, Pastor, I didn't know what size you got, so I got you a guest. I looked at it. It was 5X. <laughs> I punched Brother Bonnie in the mouth. I knocked all of his teeth out. He had to have dental work. I broke my hand. I got arrested. No, uh, 5X. Although I appreciate it, Brother Bonnie. It's the thought that counts. And I'm envisioning walking around <laughs> like a bell. It hurts me to say this, but I put it on. It was like it was tailored for me. <laughs> you know what I found out in the Philippines? I'm a 5X, Brother Bonnie. <laughs> I, wear, I wear an extra large jacket in North America. Now, Philippines, 5X, maybe 6, maybe 7, but I'm an extra large 1X in Canada. And for a dress shirt, I wear a 17 and a half. That's how big my neck is. Now, I got a dress shirt as a gift, a beautiful, beautiful shirt. I haven't had time to exchange it. And I looked at the size, and I realized it's a 16 and a half. I was 12 years old, 12 the last time I could get a 16 and a half shirt on. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to return it, not because I don't like it, but because of the wrong size. I wanna, I'm going to get one just like it in my size. I'm not talking about something that is not a fit for us. I'm talking about so often we just get dissatisfied. And go, I don't like the whatever of this relationship. I'm not satisfied. I'm going to take it back. I'm going to throw it away. We live in a culture that tosses everything away. Ask Brother Jerese. He spent a long time working over here at the garbage treatment plant close to my house. Every time it stunk, I blame Brother Jerese. A lot of people throw a lot of stuff away, don't they, Brother Jerese? A lot of husbands, a lot of wives, a lot of children, a lot of relationships get tossed because we're not satisfied. We're not satisfied. Philippians 4 says, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And I don't want to take too much time tonight, but as we think about seeking God's power and, and seeking His power to do the striving together, lastly, if we're going to seek His power, we have to have a submissive disposition. The Bible tells us in verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now, verse 22 says, wives, submit your own husbands unto the Lord. But hold on a minute. Before it commands the wife to submit to her husband, it says we're to submit one to another. We're to have an attitude of submission if we're going to have the power of God. Romans 12, 10, be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. A lot of homes today, even Christian homes, sadly, there's not much brotherly love. It's more like an MMA cage fight. Knock down, drag out, yelling, screaming. It ought not be that way. We ought to love one another. We ought to be submissive one to another. Philippians 2, 4, look not every man on his own things, but every man also 
on the things of others. I said, number one, we need to seek his power. Number two, if we are to strive together in our homes, in our families, number two, we must understand God's pattern. Understand his pattern. If we look in our text here in verse 22, it goes on to speak about the pattern. All the way down through verse 4 of chapter 6, we have the pattern for how we ought to act and interact in our role in the home. God lays it out. We don't get to make it up. We don't get to just decide what we're going to do. God's word presents an arrangement between husband and wife that if followed, if followed, produces tremendous togetherness. But can I tell you that arrangement runs counter to culture? Let me give you a quote, a powerful quote. The husband and wife are equals before God. But equality of worth is not sameness of function. Don't miss this quote. Read that again. The husband and wife are equals before God, but equality of worth is not sameness of function. God created male and female different. By the way, God created them. We don't decide. God created males and females different at the very beginning. And God created men as masculine creatures. This is God's word, God's plan, not mine. And females as feminine creatures. And we are to celebrate the difference, not discriminate against it. Get this statement, a woman, as I continue, by the way, it was Mr. Adrian Rogers, wonderful preacher, that made this statement. Dr. Rogers continued to say, we are to celebrate the difference, not discriminate against it. A woman, a woman is superior to a man at being a woman. That's pretty deep, isn't it? A woman is superior to a man at being a woman, and a man is superior to a woman at being a man. We need to understand God's pattern. Now, let's start where God starts. God starts with the husband. God starts with leadership here in verse 25. It says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. That's some powerful, powerful words to live up to, men. We are, as God says, be like me. And Jesus said, I love the church and I gave myself for it. Husbands, you love your wife the way I loved you. That's powerful love. That's powerful love. That's a pattern of sacrifice, a pattern of giving, a pattern of selfless love. We see here that wives are to demonstrate submissive love. 
You notice it never has to command a woman to love her husband. We don't see that in Scripture. Does that mean, pastors, that mean I don't have to love my wife? Old song years ago, I remember, I, I, still, know she loves, I still know she loves me, but I don't think she likes me anymore. Uh, does that mean I don't, have to like, I don't have to love him? No. It just means that men have a harder time with love. We struggle. But women are to have submissive love as we continue there in verse 22. Wives, submit yourself to your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, and he is Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. God's prescription that the husband is the head. Now get this. Stay with me. It does not mean superiority or imply superiority. Rather, it expresses a distinction between the roles. There's a distinction of God's pattern and roles. A wife is instructed to follow the leadership as she would follow Christ. Husband, as you lead as Christ would lead. As you love as Christ loved. Illustration, in a marriage, each member fills a unique role. I'm not a hockey player, but on a hockey team, there's not just one player that comes out with a hockey stick and says, okay, I'm the hockey team. No, there's a group of men or ladies, depending on the, uh, the setting, and that team has different jobs. There's, there's one person who's the goalie, just one. That's their job. Now, the goalie has to do his or her job just as a forward and everyone else has to do their job. They work together. If everybody said, okay, we're all just going to stay in the net, we're all going to be goalie. Now, they may be successful at keeping the other team from scoring, but they are never going to score because somebody has to do their job. In a home, God has a pattern, and I've got to rush, rush through this, God has a pattern for husbands and wives, but God also has a pattern for parents and children. God has a pattern for parents and children. Look at verse 1 of chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long upon the earth. Ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Can I tell you, parent, one of your jobs... Your main job as a parent is to train and nurture your children. By the way, that's not the job of the school. That's not the job of the Christian school. That's your job. That's not the job of the church. Now, I'm glad that we can, we can have a part in helping in that job that God has for you. I'm glad that we can, we can help. I'm glad we have Christian schools that have an opportunity to help, but... Ultimately, it's not the job of the Christian school or the church. It's your job. It's my job to train and nurture. Parents are not to relinquish their responsibility for training to teachers or coaches, anyone. That's your job. Now, does that mean that you can't let anyone else influence and have impact? No, but it means you better walk guard around it. You better walk guard around the influences in your children's life. Why? It's your responsibility. 
They're your kids. They're your children. You are to nurture them. You are to rear them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That nurture means to train, to educate. Can I tell you part of education is discipline? You know why we have people that committing horrible crimes in our culture today? One of the reasons? I think of the two, the few days ago in Ontario that shot an RCMP officer. By the way, one of them was, had already been arrested for assaulting a police officer and our wonderful system, political system, judicial system said, oh, yeah, you're a good member of society. We'll let you go back out and do it again. But I think we can trace it farther back than our broken judicial system. I'd say we could probably trace it back to a home where there wasn't a mom or wasn't a dad that didn't train, that didn't teach, relinquished their responsibility. We need to realize God has a purpose, parents. Proverbs says, My son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. You better, you better realize you are teaching your children. I, Brother Ocampo, pray 33 years of ministry. He may have on purpose or maybe accidentally, but I guarantee you Mark learned a few things, whether you wanted him to or not, because he was watching you. Now Mark's got a little girl watching him. You parents, you've got children that are watching you. You better make sure you're showing them the right thing. How many have ever said, hey, don't ever do this? Colton has ridden with me a few times over the last year or so. A few times I've had to say to Colton, Colton, don't drive like this. He said he's learned a lot of things riding with Pastor Rice. Uh, Sometimes your kids learn things they ought not learn. Children are, by the way, kids, teenagers, our younger folks are upstairs. But teenagers, you're to obey. But that's not what the Bible says. It says honor and obey. Because you could obey and dishonor your parents and still do the right thing, but do it with the wrong attitude. We need to honor and obey. They need to be hand in hand. If we're going to strive together in the family, we need to follow God's pattern. God's pattern. Lastly, we'll close with this. Look Look at a few verses here. We'll skip around just a little bit. But we're going to look at verses 18 of chapter 5 down through verse 4 of chapter 6. We're not going to read them again. But we have God's pattern. We need to understand his pattern. But number three, we have to follow his principles. We have to follow his principles. As we look in the word of God, we see some obvious principles. That if we follow, if we follow, we can strive together, go the same direction, pull together in our homes and our families. Follow the principle of loyal devotion. Look at verse 31. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. We see the principle that's seen over and over in Scripture. 
when a husband and wife, a man and a woman, come together. Can I tell you that the biblical expression of loyal devotion is when the wife and the husband, not because they don't love their parents, not because they want to be separated from their parents, but because God has designed for them to be together when they leave their parents, as they should, as Scripture commands it to be. Why? So they can be loyal and devoted to, them, to one another. So often our loyalties, our devotion gets split up. We don't have the kind of loyalty and devotion we ought to have in the strength that it ought to be there. We see it in Genesis 24. Jesus repeats it during instructions in marriage in Matthew 19 in Mark 8. Why well, let a wonderful marriage? I don't know of any marriage problems, particular marriage problems here tonight, but husbands and wives, may I just make this statement? Why well, let a wonderful marriage go down the tubes because of problems? There are no problems too big to solve, just people too small to solve them. You know the difference between a successful marriage and a failed marriage? Same problems, same difficulties, same struggles on both sides. But the successful marriage is two people who say, we're going to go through these problems together. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna be devoted to one another. We're going to be faithful to one another. We have to do so. We have to be loyal. We have to be committed. Husbands, are you committed to your wife? I mean completely, fully, wholly committed. Wives, are you committed to your husbands? We have to have that principle of loyal devotion. It has to be there, the building block of the home. It has to be. Number two, we need to follow the principle of living connection. In verse 29 in our text, it says, For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it even as Lord the church. What do you spend and devote your time to? Who do you spend and devote your time to? First Peter speaks about dwelling with them. By the way, some people have pointed out that children... Your young folks that are up in Patch Club right now, can I tell you, if you ask them figuratively how to spell love, most of them would spell it T-I-M-E. How much time do you give them? That's how they weigh love. As we mature, we, we feel the same way. We just don't admit it. Are we connected the way we ought to be? And lastly, if we're going to follow his principles, we have to follow the principle of loving compassion. This continues on. That application of nourishing, cherishing, every act of selflessness, Every expression of affection, 
Every word of kindness contribute to an environment where God's grace can grow freely. 1 Peter 3 verse 8 says, Finally, be you all of one mind. Families, would we follow that verse? Be all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren. Be pitiful, be courteous. That should be the norm. The norm. I understand in a congregation this size, I don't know family backgrounds all around the auditorium. I know some of your family backgrounds. I know some of, I've met some of your parents, grandparents, how wonderful that is. But I don't know where you come from, all of you. But in a congregation this size, I'm sure there are some. You would say, Pastor, I come from a very dysfunctional home. I'm sure that's the case. I'm sure there's at least a few in here that would say, Pastor, yeah, I, I don't know what a real home's supposed to look like. I've never been in a Christian home. I remember two years ago, someone staying in our home. And the statement was made the next day. I've never spent a night in a home where I believed everybody loved one another before in my whole life until I spent the night in this house. If that's been your life, my heart hurts and breaks for you. But I want you to know that that doesn't have to continue to be your life. Your family doesn't have to follow in the footsteps of the family you came from. You don't have to perpetuate the hurt and the pain of the broken relationship that you had to live through. We can, by God's grace, strive together in our homes for the faith of the gospel. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. We'll read down through the verse 32, and we'll close here, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you're sealed in the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. May we strive together as families for God's purpose and God's good. Praise God for his power to do so. Let's pray together tonight. Lord, I thank you for the time we could spend in your word to be encouraged. Lord, I pray for our families tonight. I pray for our families gathered here. Lord, I pray that every family unit would be committed to honoring you together, that they would decide to strive together for the faith of the gospel as a family, that they would seek your help, your power, Follow your pattern. Lord, I pray if there be one here tonight that knows you not a Savior, I pray that they would realize that they are invited to become a member of the family of God, that they can call upon you today to be born again. Lord, I pray for those that are not here tonight. 
Pray for families that are troubled. Pray for those that are wandering from you. Lord, I pray you'd work in their hearts. May they know the love of God more very powerfully. God, may they know that we love them. Lord, would you do your will? We thank you. We praise you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Just a couple verses of invitation tonight as we close with the Colton. We'll stand and sing number 482, Where He Leads Me. Number 482. I can hear my Savior calling, I can hear my Savior calling, I can hear my Savior calling, take thy cross and follow, follow. standing tonight. Actually, be seated just for a moment, if you would. Brother Cosme's hiding back in the corner. Brother Cosme came to him this morning and said, Pastor, we want to be members as well. Do we have to come up there? And I uh, said, so we'll, we'll care for it tonight. Brother Cosme and his dear wife and their children. Looking forward to the third one on the way in just a few days. And uh, Brother Cosme said, Pastor, we want to become members. We want to be active members in the Cornerstone Baptist Church. And we're excited about that. That's awesome. And uh, all in favor of receiving the Cosme and his dear family and the membership, say amen, wave your hand, throw $100 bills towards the front, and all opposed, get out of here. And uh, we're going to take just a moment, uh, be sure and welcome the Cosme, and praise the Lord, we're excited to have you uh, guys here and excited to get you serving and ministering. We're going to have a meal, fellowship, and I uh, hope you'll stay And uh, as we uh, fellowship together. Brother Dave, could I get you? to lead us in prayer. Uh, Closing prayer is also prayer for the meal, if you would.